up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back, Welcome back to the Winning in Life Without Losing Your Mind podcast. That weird hello is brought to you by my guest today, Nick Williamson, who is my brother in law. <laughs> in love. <laughs> the spots so, are awesome. <laughs> I'm so pumped to have him here. It's incredible. Lee awkward. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm so pumped to have him here. We're going to continue our conversation on confessions of Enneagrams. Uh, and uh, Nick is a Enneagram six. So we're going to continue that conversation uh, with him today. Get him to confess all sorts of stuff that makes him feel unsafe because we know yes. six is love feeling unsafe. But before we get into that, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in wherever you're listening. If you're listening to this um, on any audio, podcast platforms love for you to leave a five-star review don't be stingy with your stars and if you have uh, any comments or questions for the show or any topics you'd like to see me cover just go ahead and drop that in the comments if you're watching on youtube go ahead and subscribe uh, like subscribe ring the bell so that you know every time we post a video or go live and the chance that we do that but we are here to help creatives know themselves their process and their teams so that they can create greater things together what else do I need to talk about? Oh, on Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn and all the different places you can find me at Dustin Peed. Or if you're interested in chatting about what you've got going on, let's talk DustinPeed.com. I think that's everything. All right. So we've been going through these uh, Enneagram numbers. I'm not sure which ones have posted when yet. I don't really know the order that I'm posting these other than I know that I did one. And I know at the time of recording this, the one that we did with my buddy who's an Enneagram 3 is about to come out as well. We're not really going in any order. It's just going to be like whenever I record these and whenever I get around to editing them. But um, today we're going to dive right in with an Enneagram 6, which happens, like I said, to be my brother-in-law. i rather treat him like a brother. We're um, diehard NASCAR fans. If you see that stuff on my bio page about wannabe NASCAR spotter, he knows what that means. No one else does. Because what's a NASCAR spotter? Yes. <laughs> spotter. <laughs> So anyway, Nick, so glad you're here, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome and and terrifying all at the same time. I was yeah. watching, I was watching yours uh, the other day and just letting it all out and hanging out. And I was like, all right, well, all right, we're gonna just flush a, a lot out. It didn't help yesterday that you know I had therapy with a new counselor and I like threw oh, a bunch of stuff at him. So I was like, all right, we're just gonna do this two days in a row. Yeah, it's going to be a good emotionally dump week. So Nick is a uh, professional touring production tech. Is that the best way to put it? I've um, got to the point where I just say audio engineer. It's just easier if people go. understand that more. <laughs> he runs monitors for a country artist that you may have heard of, Mitchell Timpenny. Great guys in that crew. Got to meet and hang out with them a little bit. And um, so, yeah. Nick has a really awesome job, uh, but it also involves him interacting with a lot of people, both amazing and less amazing. Yes. We're going to get into that a little bit and kind of how he interacts with those people. But before we get into it, I want to just read from um, Jackie Brewster. We've talked about her on any of these Enneagram shows. She is um, Enneagram with JB. You can find her EnneagramWithJB.com or at Enneagram with JB. On any of your socials, she um, has a really great resource, lots, several great resources, honestly. But the one that I love to use the most 
um, is this 125 cards for self-awareness and connection. I'll try to hold it up to the screen here so you can see. But um, it's a really great resource. It's just kind of filled with cards that kind of cover all the different topics of Enneagram, some basic stuff, some relationship stuff, some things like that. But right here in the beginning, she has this little fold-out paper that gives you just a little brief overview of each Enneagram number. And so I thought since we're talking about Enneagram 6 today, that I would go ahead and read that while Nick nods along in approval of everything that I'm saying. Um, so six is desire to know that they are safe. That was a joke about this being extremely unsafe for him. Um, they, they are faithful, courageous, loyal, and effective, all things that I would use to describe Nick. However, they can at times also be cowardly and paranoid. Ooh, let's get into that. They look for security, support, and certainty in their relationships as well as in their environments. They seek approval from those in positions of authority and power, but they're excellent problem solvers and have a knack for anticipating life's dangers. Excellent problem solver and anticipating <laughs> life's dangers. I mean, that just, when I read that, I think my mental picture immediately goes to that squirrel from Ice Age. Is that how you uh, the scrat. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, have, I have my acorn. Just hanging on to that acorn. Yeah. Yeah. Initial reactions from hearing that overview about you as a six. It it nails it. It it just the, the affirmation for like for and seeking approval for from other people like that are higher up than you and your peers. That one always nails it. And the troubleshooting and kind of uh, basically solving problems that haven't occurred yet. Uh, <laughs> That's not even a like, problem. Oh, but it no. will be. <laughs> you don't Honestly, but I will say uh, in my job, um, so with as, as I'm an audio engineer for Mitchell, but I'm also his stage manager. So I'm making sure the stage is good to go for for show and during show and so i'm doing two things at, at the same time during a show and right before a show like i'm you know i'm looking at the stage are there any obstacles are there any um you know if if, if his mic goes out what, what's my backup plan so i'm all about contingencies uh so i mean it, just last week there was an issue where i did something wrong like I ran some cables incorrectly that basically caused the problem to get us off stage quickly. Um, and so for 45 minutes of our set and beforehand, I was stressing out about these cables. There's nothing I could do about it during the show. Like those cables were going to be where they were. And I stressed about the whole time, but I had a plan ready to go say, okay, as soon as we're done with our show, this is what we're going to do. So foreseeing that troubleshooting it before it even happened, that, that's definitely a six thing, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, let's dive right in here. What's uh, what's something that most people wouldn't know you wouldn't know about you as an Enneagram six? Uh, well, just with the the touring world, and um, I'm going to be referring a lot of that in this Go whole thing. Uh, it, is, it, it is my life. Um, um, but a, what a lot of people don't know, and I've realized this recently, is they don't realize that I'm an introvert which a lot of sixes are because we like to be isolated a lot we like to and i don't mean that like in a negative way where you're just like leave me alone but we definitely need our 
our our me time um i know you touched on that too um so with being around people all the time on the road you know you're on your bus you're in the green room you're in catering you're on stage like you're just always with people you naturally for me uh naturally become extroverted and silly and you get comfortable with everyone so you're always just you know between an eight and a ten as far as hyperness or excited or whatever so when i tell people that i'm actually an introvert they're very very shocked there's like there's no way like you are definitely you know always on the go always you know, hyper or whatever and i'm like actually i'm not yeah you're just um, a social six is what enneagram coaches would say they would say what they would say you're a social six okay yeah so there's, there's self uh preservation there's uh, social and I don't remember the other one. I'm going to butcher it if I try to get it right. But, um, yeah, a lot of times with people like fours, fives, and sixes who tend to naturally lean towards, uh, being an introvert when they, when they have, it's called your subtype. Uh, so when you have a subtype of social, meaning that you're a social, that's why you can have like, you can have three Enneagram sixes in a room and all three of you can be completely different. It's because your subtypes are different. Right. And so there are some that are like self-preservation where it's just, it, they're always kind of on defense and there's social ones that are always kind of opposite. They're on offense. Still doesn't change who you are and what your Enneagram number is. So for you, I would say, yeah, I, I would easily identify you as a social six because when you need to be on, you can be on without it being overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, you still have, you still are who you are. So you still need to have moments where you, where you can retreat. Need that recharge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So how do you, how do you view the world around you? Give me a, give me a, if I could put on a pair of glasses with six lenses, how does a six view the world? Oh gosh. It's so, it's so loaded. Uh, <laughs> it's just a little question. Uh, the, I view the world as it's just moving super fast and it's just impossible to keep up. For me, I know that's like a vague and almost easy answer because I feel like a lot of people would answer it that way. But like as a as a six and being like that loyal type, you're just trying to find out, like trying to find that person or persons that you can support, that you can help them get to where they need to get to. Um, and for me, even though I work with literally hundreds of people a day and I'm around, um, I usually will pick. I don't know, five to six people. This is say in this particular tour that we're on right now, uh, five to six people that I want to like, like see or, or, um, you know, cater to them if they need anything. Um, that's kind of how I view it. I know that that's not like the best answer. It's, it's, it's a very difficult question, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, that's, yeah, it's just fast paced, but for me, I like to narrow down to your inner circle, your people, the inner circle, my people, and and really like get them to where they need to go before myself, which can definitely hurt me. <laughs> I, got you. I was on the right track earlier with subtypes. It is there's social, um, which is like a group kind of extroverted version uh, or subtype. There's self preservation, which you talked about, and then there's one on one. Like I know. Um, I have a friend of mine who's an Enneagram five, which when you think of an Enneagram five, you think that's the most introverted number there is. 
Um, but he's a one-on-one any uh, Enneagram five, meaning that in social settings, he's not so much his best um, alone and playing defense. He's not so much his best where he really thrives is one-on-one interactions, not like social situations, if that makes sense, where mm-hmm. you are kind of like naturally thrown into so like one-on-one time for you is probably pretty rare. It so is. it's more it's that <laughs> yeah, more that you're always surrounded by other people. Well, yep. let, let's get into what um, some positive things for a minute. What what do you really love about being an Enneagram six, if anything at all? <laughs> um, hey, I pull up something here. This is from uh, this is from another resource that I found it's called the Enneagram Institute. Uh, I, one thing I do love, so I um, I'm we're gonna get in this later, but um, I do kind of wing seven as a six. So like I can have that introverted time like we were talking about, but I love being like a wingman to some, with someone. Um, and like, just like, like, like the bro, like just, I don't have to lead the situation, but um, I love just being able there to, to support you and whatnot. So that's, that's one thing I, I definitely do love. Uh, one thing I really hate about being a six is the anxiety part. Um, mm. Like I was referring to earlier about uh uh, stage managing is there's it's not every show it's probably one out of eight shows where i'll get so anxious about a given situation uh whether it be you know what's mitchell doing you know on stage do i need to be on you know on guard or or do i just need to be at the ready for something to hit the fan um and like i get just so anxious and and you know my i have the biggest goal of getting off stage under 10 minutes and we have a lot of gear with a little crew to get everything off stage. So like my anxiety is just through the roof and I overthink the, 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 the loadout of all that. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, um, quick example last week, uh, I had anxiety pretty much post sound check until the end of our set and through loadout. So a good six, five to six hours of just, I didn't really want to be with people. I, I chose to be with some people, but I, they could just tell like, what is wrong? Um, and then the show happens, the loadout happens and everyone's like, dude, you were, why, why were you so worried? Like everything was fine. Like we did such a good job, you know, why are you beating yourself up about, you know, what just went on? And I'm like, well, I just feel like we could have done better, which is a good thing, but it's also cause you always want to progress. But yeah. for me, like it was just anxiety driven the whole time. And I, I feel like I lost five years of my life and yeah. my heart rate was like sky high the whole time. So yeah, anxiety is my least favorite part about being a yeah, six. Yeah, I, like, I feel like sixes can either wear that precaution as a badge or, mm-hmm. as a, or as a weighted blanket that weighs yeah. them down. You know what I mean? As you're reading, I I pulled out kind of her basics for Enneagram 6, and it talks about how your core fear is to be without support. And and I think for you, it's not even just that you're without support as much as the thing that you're supposed to be in charge of and the people that you're supposed to be supporting that you don't want to let them down. You don't want that. You don't want that to be without support. And so there's security in there for you because if you can support them and it's security for you, it kind of comes back yes. to you as well. And that, um, 
and that your core desire, it says, is to be certain, which <laughs> kind of conflicts because you, you, you're constantly, you're like, I can be 99% certain, but I'll, it's probably really rare for you to be 100% certain about anything. percent I love when you talk about what you love, you talk about what you hate uh, or what frustrates you. Let's get into some rapid fire questions for a second. I think I probably need to answer some of these because you've already talked about wing and we're going to get into that in a minute as well. But are you thoughtful or whimsical? I kind of go both. Um, I wrote some of this down. Let me let me find my answer here because just to kind of help me. uh, Shoot, where is it? Uh, yeah, I definitely wrote both thoughtful in the sense of looking out for others, making sure others' needs are met before my own. Uh, I know I touched on that earlier. Um, but there's other moments where uh, I will purposely let my guard down and be that whimsical, spontaneous person. I think that's kind of where that question was going with yeah. um, with all that and, and just making last-minute decisions uh, whether it be for fun or for business. Um, uh, and usually be very, uh, blunt here that usually, uh, the whimsical will come after one or two yummy drinks. (laughs) Um, um, and you can ask all my, all my tour, tour mates that, and they would answer a thousand percent. Um, and I'll go from being around a six or a seven on the excited scale to a 10 out of nowhere. Um, and that usually happens once or twice a weekend. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of go both ways. Yeah. I think that's a good six answer for sure. Uh, next rapid. Are you selfish? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I, fe- I feel so like I, I'm always, I always try to look out for, for others and, and champion whatever they're doing. But I think it, I think most of us, are selfish in some way, shape or form. Like you are always kind of looking out to make sure you're doing your best sometimes at the expense of others faults, uh, which is a bummer. Um, that's all, that's almost like a form of like a bully, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I think I am selfish, but it's, it's not something I, I can't work on, which I, I do try to, you know, I, I do, try to put others well before me, but I know there's just times where I'm like, no, screw that. I'm just going to look out, look out for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to modify this next question a little bit because I've been asking people what they envy, but then I also realized that envy is not necessarily what Christian Enneagram coaches would call the quote unquote signature sin. And like Christian Enneagram coaches like Jackie or like Beth McCord, who will mention at the end of the podcast, they will say that each Enneagram kind of has like their own signature sin. And it usually kind of falls within those like traditional Catholic seven deadly sins. But for like, for me, it's envy for sixes, it's fear. So you can answer the envy one if you want to, but I'm also, I'm like more interested to know what you fear. I think I like that better. Uh, <laughs> I fear letting someone down, uh, and and really like um, squandering. Yeah, we'll use that word. Uh, like a, a relationship, or uh, whether it be professional or um, intimate, if you will. Um, that that's my biggest fear, and and falling behind. I think uh, again, I use a quick example. Uh, 
So the the artist that we're touring, the the headliner, his stage manager was not happy with how we uh, um, loaded out. How we how we took we took a while to get off stage, um, and I was that was brought to my attention once we packed up our trailers uh, that he wasn't he wasn't thrilled. Uh, he was he was very upset that we took a little bit longer and that gear was left out on stage um, while the headliner was about to go on. So like I just beat myself up for. 20 minutes and then i was like oh my gosh I was like i have to go find i have to go find him and i need to go just talk to him real quick and i did and i was like man i'm so sorry that was awful um you know we're we'll get better but i'm just i want to apologize and i gave him a handshake and he was like dude it's okay he goes that's gonna happen he goes we're gonna we're gonna keep getting better we're gonna keep getting faster um and we'll keep getting smarter he was like so don't don't fester on this like you're good and he's a very intense individual but he knows he's very good at like compartmentalizing like hey it's okay and not being like a complete jerk um yeah so yeah fear if that that's my biggest fear is just is letting someone down when i know i could do better but the plus side of that for me is i i can grow on that i, I can get better um it just um that mess up of that fear encourages me to be better at insert situation here. Yeah. So, yeah, as you were talking, I was looking up your, uh, Enneagram lines. If anyone knows anything about the Enneagram, you will line to another number in stress and you'll line to another number in growth. You'll line to the healthy side of a, of a number in in growth and you'll line to an unhealthy side of another number in stress. And as you're telling me that story, I can see both things play out here because six is lined to not enneagram nines and growth and nine the one of the most beautiful parts of nines is they're the first ones to own up to things they're the first ones to say i'm the issue not other people and so they will go make it a healthy nine will go make it right like you did in that situation uh six is under stress go to threes though the unhealthy side of a three, not the healthy side, but the unhealthy side of a three, which is complete emotional shutdown. I've just got to get the job done and get out of here mm. kind of thing. Right. And so you had two choices to make in that scenario of I can go make this right, or I can shut down and just get the job done and, and get out of here. Yeah. Um, so I hear that a lot and the things that you're saying, and the answers that you're giving. So let's see, um, last rapid fire. What do you thrive on? <laughs> This was a different, a difficult one for me. Um, I thrive on understanding a situation, understanding whatever thing I might be working on. Um, mm -hmm. cause I can get very frustrated very quickly. If I don't understand, we'll just keep it work related. Uh, you know, am I using this compressor correctly? Am I using this gate correctly? Am I doing like, am I, or whatever, you know, this microphone, um, am I doing this correctly? And then if I'm not, I'll get frustrated at first, but then I'll come back. I'll kind of circle back, come to the understanding and then be okay with, with whatever the subject is. Um, that's something that I've battled with since forever. Um, yeah, so I, and so I thrive on getting certainty. it, you know, understand certainty. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. As you say, as soon as you start talking, I was like, "Well, your core desire is to be certain, so that makes that you thrive yeah. on certainty." Yeah, so that makes total sense. All right, so you talked already, <laughs> yeah, you talked already about your uh, your predominant wing. I mentioned every time I bring up wings that wings are like arm or 
hands, right? They, most people, unless there's some deformity or you've had something amputated, you have two hands and so you're <laughs> left-handed, right-handed. And so you can use both hands, but one of them is a dominant hand over the other. So as you write or you swing a bat or a golf club or whatever, you're either, you know, right-handed or left-handed. And so it's not that you're not, it's not that as a, as a six that you never wing five. It's just, you're saying that your predominant wing is seven. How can you tell that? Uh, I think just how I'm the social part, I think. And like sevens are very extroverted. They're very like, let's do this now. Let's go do this. You know, they're never like almost content. They just kind of want to dance around and have a good old time. And I find myself wanting to do that more. Um, you know, I don't know if the kids are still saying FOMO, but the FOMO is real with me, especially like post-show. Um, like, so, we, you know, after the show's done, the band gets to go hang out on the bus or out in our little area where we'll, like we set up chairs and have a nice time. Um, but I'm still working. So I'm just like itching to be done so I can go hang out with them. Um, then once we're, when they, once we're packed up, I'll go do that. Um, five, not so much. I don't think, uh, it might, there might be times where I'll lean that way, but overall, I mean, you like the defender type, yeah, sometimes, but not all. I, I, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go wing seven. Yeah, I see the wing five in you because you're a consummate learner, mm. and that, that's huge for five. They always they always have to be learning something, and they and they thrive on learning. They thrive on educating themselves on something. Sometimes for good purposes, and sometimes just so that they can be the smartest person in the room. But yeah. for you, I, I feel like you're consummate learning of. Like, Every time we get a chance to hang out, there's a book that you're reading. You're talking about the book you're reading. Like you said earlier, you can get frustrated really quickly because you don't know something, but then you go, ah, oh, this is an opportunity to know something. And so those are the moments where I see you like winging five and kind of going like, ah, uh, yeah, I like, I like knowledge. I like the, yeah. the gain of, of knowledge. Uh, what ways do you feel, um, if, if at all, what ways do you feel defective or incomplete as an Enneagram six? I mean, it, it kind of goes back to certainty. I mean, uh, you're never, you, you never stop with this goes along with what you just said. You never stop learning. Like you're always, always trying to get to the next thing or just figure out the next thing or, or learn just something new. And like you said, I've, I've always been an individual asking questions. I mean, you can talk to my dad. He tells me the story of when I was, super little i mean i had to have been like three or four where i just kept asking it was me my dad and my uh, grandpa his dad uh, or my dad's dad um and i was just asking a lot of questions and i was in and my grandpa told my dad he was like man he has a lot of questions i like that like he tells me that story all the time so yeah just that that oh, sorry hit my microphone there uh yeah just just that constant learning i guess you know yeah that's the best way that. i can answer it <laughs> so do you feel like that do you feel like that's a defect or makes you incomplete in any way i feel like the incomplete part is is sometimes because i feel like i haven't gotten whatever the answer might be mm. uh and that answer may be subjective you know it could be different for any everyone 
and out of whatever it is, uh, you can insert subject here, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the best way I guess I can answer that one. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel that. Uh, all right. How do you best get along with people? You're surrounded by people all the time. What are, what are the ways that you can best get along with, or that you do best get along with other people? And if other people are around you as a six, what are the ways that you're like, I like it when people are like this around me or this super annoys me and I don't want to be around this type of person that constantly does X. How's, how's your interaction with people like? Um, it's gotten, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, I used to be very shy, like would not approach you. You'd have to approach me. Um, but recently, probably within the last year, um, I've been very intentional of like we it, say we walk into a venue if, if we're headlining if we're not like with the same band every night um and we're the first ones into the building uh, i try to be the first one into the building even though i'm not the production manager or the tour manager uh and i try to be like very intentional of, like hey guys i'm nick stage manager da, 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 da. um which is very odd for me and it's still very hard to do but um, I just like to break that ice. I hate just, you know, it's, it's someone's like, let's just do it. Let's just get through this. Cause as soon as we break that ice, the rest of the day is going to be better. Um, so I love that. And when I'm around all the people I'm around, like I was saying earlier, I'll usually find those few where I can have deep, meaningful conversations. Um, and those are my favorite, favorite people. There's um, the front of house engineer for the opening band of this tour. His name's Matt. Uh, he and I happened to be in catering at the same time on Saturday and we, it was at nine 30 when we were both in there and we went our separate ways about almost noon and we just kept talking. And I was like, this is, I thrive on this. I get energy from this. Mm -hmm. Um, even if we didn't agree on whatever we were talking about, it still was like just great communication. Those are my favorite kinds of yeah. interactions with people is just you know, you don't have to agree with me or, or anything like that. Let's just have constructive conversation. That means something. You know? Yeah, I love it. Um, I think we've covered this quite a bit. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just kind of sum it up all together. What's the most important thing to you as an Enneagram 6 in life? Oof. Uh, most important thing as a 6 in life? Yeah. Uh this is the this is the one question I didn't fill out. <laughs> I think I'll just I, feel it. You're waiting to feel it. We're going to see how this goes. Um, man, the most important thing. Man. This is this so tough. <laughs> Sorry, I have to cut and splice this one. <laughs> you're good. You get. I know we talked a lot about certainty throughout. Would you say that that's the most important thing for you? I mean, a lot of sixes say, you know, security is the most important thing to them. Those are kind of the stereotypical answers. But yeah. I think as a, as a as a mid aged kind of getting into that middle aged adult, I've lived life for a while. I've seen some things. I've done some things. You know, you're growing in in the right direction. That you're more under growth than you are under stress. Like what? what do you find like at the end of the day, you're like, Oh, it's really important to me that that happened today or that I got to blank today. Yeah. Yeah. The certain, yeah. The, uh, yeah. The certainty for sure. Uh, I'm a big checklist guy. I know uh, you are too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I like knowing that I had a productive day, like, so that productivity, um, you can ask Lulu, you could, like, there are days where I feel like if I didn't finish my checklist, like I failed. Um, yeah. so there's that fear of that failure. Um, so actually I, I was recently, I was told, Hey, why don't you shrink that to-do list down? Like do five things instead of the six. And if you get to the sixth thing, Hey, look, you had a better productive day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feeling fulfilled at the end of the day. I'm like, I did something like, even when I come home on Sundays, I'm a vegetable as Lulu always says, cause I'm off the bus. I'm tired. I had a crazy weekend and it's just my day to not do anything. Yeah. Well, I'll be sitting on the couch watching insert motorsport here. Um, and, uh, she'll be doing stuff around the house and I'll be like, should I be doing something? I should be doing something. Um, yeah. so, so, um, I'm kind of going off the rail a little bit, but yeah, just that being productive, being certain that I did what I was supposed to do today. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the most important part for me. Yeah. I'll throw this out there for free because I'm in this world right now and I've, I've dabbled in it before, but when it comes to do lists and checklists, I've really gone back to my, not only my weekly big three, but now I've gotten into my daily big three. So, cause I'm the same way. I'll have seven to 12 things on a list of this is what I'm going to do today. In fact, I carry it around with me in this little journal. Um, these are the seven to 12 things I'm going to do today, but if I don't get, all of them done for me it's very easy to be like well what a failure you know so the top the big the top three or the big three not only of the week but of the day goes okay if nothing else gets done today and only these three things get done today i'll feel like a i'll feel like a success mm-hmm. and so those are my those are the, the daily threes and a lot of those tend to kind of go back to building up to the weekly three but yeah i think i agree with that person that told you to narrow it down like just yeah. go hey top two or three things that if nothing else gets done today, this has to get done. And you do those, you'll be like, well, at least the big, at least the big rocks got done today. Like the little rocks can shift to another day. Yeah. 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 We've talked about that a lot where it's like, you don't have to get the whole, like if you're working on a big project, you don't have to get the whole thing done. Just get the, the little steps done. Just kind of this. Yeah. And before you know it in three or four days, Hey, the project's done. Project's done. Yeah. Yep. You're not stressed out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Is there anything else that we didn't cover? Um, about being a six that you'd want people to know? Um, if, if we need to get away to have some me time, don't be offended. Mm. It's not necessarily you that we're trying to get away from or, or whatever energy you have, like that might be a little too much for us at that moment. Just know, Hey, I need, give me an hour to recharge and I'll come back. And Better. yeah, just don't be, don't be upset if we just have to shut you out for about just a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, we can go out and hang now and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But if you can give me an hour before we go out, I'll be freaking awesome. And yeah. we'll have a lot more fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wanna, like yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our lighting director, he and I are very, very close, very good friends. And um, he's learning that he's, he's, he's like, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Tyler, I love you. Just let me go to the back lounge for a second. I'll come back. <laughs> he's like, okay. He's like a golden retriever. I love him to death. Yeah, he's I'll be just right like, here. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right here. 
So, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Well, I want to let everybody know um, just some further resources. We talked about um, Jackie Brewster. Again, she's um, Enneagram with JB.com. She's the one that um, I'm using this resource from and kind of reading off of through these episodes. Uh, her and uh, her husband, Stephen, longtime friends and mentors of me and uh, Sarah, my wife. And so definitely check her out, follow her on Instagram or wherever, and check out all her products on her website, EnneagramWithJB.com. As well, Beth McCord, her and her um, husband have been influential in kind of us really understanding Enneagram, especially when it comes to uh, in relationship with each other. She's super great at that. So your Enneagram coach on Instagram, um, and you can also go to your And then if you're just diving into this uh, Enneagram thing and you're trying to figure out what it's all about, uh, the kind of the first source I, I send people to after you kind of take that initial test and really kind of narrow it down is I always send people to this book by Ian Morgan Cron called The Road Back to You. I highly recommend that uh, to really kind of connect to who God has uniquely made you to be. That's what this is all about. This isn't about um an enneagram cult this isn't about identifying yourself with a number this is just understanding who god has made you to be and how you can thrive in the world that uh is around you and the relationship around you so yeah nick thanks so much for doing this man you made it thanks man you got it was awesome go bar <laughs> <laughs> awesome, so back to record with your wife who's enneagram yep. seven that's gonna be fun i'm excited i might have to put my ear to the it's, door and listen to that one if it's not fun <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed. So just right. go it'll, ahead and tell It'll me. be fun. It'll be fun. Just go tell like, make it fun. <laughs> yeah, it should be all right. <laughs> cool. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on the Winning in Life Without Losing Your Mind podcast. <laughs> <laughs>